0: When when Pastor Michael was reading Exodus three, it says that the angel of the Lord called Moses into an encounter with, with, with the burning bush. If you were following along in your Bibles, you would have saw that the angel of the Lord, that Lord is spelled capital L capital O, capital R, capital D. Here's the interesting thing about your scriptures and your Bibles that it's easy to read over. But whenever you're reading it and Lord is all capitalized, it's done to highlight a very specific name. The name of God. And in the Hebrew, Lord is the strange little name we call Yahweh. And specifically, it is Y-H-W-H. There are no vowels. Why? It's because we're really not allowed this side of heaven to speak God's true name. So this is the Scripture's best way of bringing us into a relationship with the mysterious God. And and we put in some vowels and it sounds like Yahweh. And from the very beginning of creation, we have God that is so powerful and immense. He is beyond time, matter and Galaxies are his playthings, and the scriptures call him El Elyon, the God most high. And in fact, there are maybe a hundred different names of God that we can come up with, but the scriptures give us, again, this one very specific name that is not you know, El Shaddai or um, El Elyon. It is not a generic name, it's a very personal name, and again, it is, it is Yahweh. So who, who and what is the Yahweh? Yahweh is, well, he, is the, he wants to get to know you. He's the very personable God that wants to come into your space and get relational with you. The series is called The Biography of Yahweh, and I guess you could say the subtext is Get to Know God. And I really do believe that that's why you were here, and, and that is why you are listening. Well, maybe you're hurting, you just need some hope, but if you really want to dig down to the surface, you, you want to get to know God. Well, at Granite Creek, we're here to introduce you to a God that is a little, mysteri- a little mysterious. My goodness, He is a lot mysterious. and He is powerful. And he's a little wild. And he is so good. And He is so loving and He is so kind. I want to get to know God better than I did Yesterday. And in my faith journey, I have realized that uh, it is not a good time or a good place to plateau in my relationship with God. It it has to be getting better each and every day. And the scriptures call it going from glory to glory. I I don't like leveling off in my relationship with God. I know in, in my journey to get to know God better uh, I've done it, and we'll be talking about this next week. I've done it by studying the Word of God, which is it's vital and key. It, it is our compass, it's, it, it's our path. Everything that we need to know about God is in the Holy Scriptures. And yet, the objective text, though it speaks to us, the Word of God is living. It's active. It's breathing. It speaks directly into our souls. But if we are not careful and if it is just an intellectual approach to understanding or knowing God, well, then there's no passion in it. I once made a book. You know the Dummies book? You know, uh, what is it? Computers for Dummies, Dating for Dummies, you know, those, those books. I literally made one that said, uh, Mako for dum- Mako is my wife. I, I made a book called Mako for Dummies and I can get that dummy book and I can read it and I can understand everything that there is to know about Mako. I can understand how she, how she processes and how she thinks. I don't know, maybe I can't. Maybe I need a library to do that. I need the power of the internet to understand what is going on in my wife's head. But just because I have information and knowledge about who my wife is and what she does and how she operates doesn't mean that I am in relationship with her. Just because I know her doesn't mean that I'm kissing her. Does that make sense? Just because I know about her doesn't mean that that I've hugged her, that, that I've sat down and I've had a meal, that I've been intimate with her. Knowledge in and of itself is not relationship. And so this is what Yahweh does in the text. He, in, he invites us in into a personal relationship with Him that at times is quite intense. As you, as you listen to the story of Moses, as at times can be quite scary. Of course my foundations of God was in Sunday school and we just finished up that series on everything you need to know about God you learned in Sunday school. And I remember them. They're they're ingrained in me, but you know what I know what else is ingrained in me? My encounters with God. Frankly, that's why I am preaching and not teaching in a seminary. don't know if I'd actually teach in seminary if I wasn't serving the Lord I'd probably I don't know I'd probably be a drug dealer or something I'd probably be making some money right anyway (laughs) Gary's like don't try it that's funny you made some money though didn't you yep all right One of my first encounters with God, I was a boy, probably probably seven to ten, somewhere around there, I don't remember exactly, and we were in the Vineyard Christian Fellowship, and well, it was at the high school back then, they met in the high school, and you could see the power of God pour out inside of that stadium or that, that basketball court. And I remember God's presence just resting in that place and, and seeing the reaction of people that were having a relationship with Yahweh, with God. I remember there were moments in my life in our local church where God came in and began to physically heal my body. Going into high school, I had floating bones in my heels, and there was nothing that you could do about it. It was like, too bad for you, you can't play football, you can't do sports, you just kind of have to not do anything. And God supernaturally made them go away or infuse them into the rest of my heel and we had the x-rays to prove it that's a personal god getting in into your business one of my fondest memories about experiencing the glory of god is that dad drugged me to england brighton england and there was a big giant revival conference in a in a stadium and John Wimber was preaching, and he invited the Holy Spirit to come, and the Holy Spirit came. And I remember seeing with my natural eyes and then feeling it in the Spirit. But the, the whole audience, when the Holy Spirit fell on that stadium, the whole audience be, just began either to weep or to cry or, or, or to pass out. Like, it was just, you could see it, and you could feel it at the same time. Um, there was a coven of witches and warlocks that decided to attend the event, which was a huge mistake for them. Because they were uh, about a quarter of the way down. And as you could see, the presence of God fall on people down the, the, from the top of the stadium coming down. Just this, uh, a, re- a reaction and a, and a response of joy and, and delight in the Lord. Uh, ecstasy? I'm not sure. And then it, then, it hit, um, then it hit the witch section. And as soon as the presence of God hit the witch section, well, they started freaking out. Just things you, you don't forget. I remember him being in meetings as a young teenager and the presence of God would come and, well, I... Well, you pass out. I, I can't quite explain it, but you just pass, I just passed out. It wouldn't be the only time this happened. Years later, as an adult, I was at another meeting, and frankly, it was a boring prayer meeting. Have you ever been to a boring prayer meeting? Can I get an amen? It was a boring prayer meeting. I was not there, I was not engaged. I was hungry, wanted to be somewhere else, and then the sweet presence of the Lord fell inside of the room, and then the next thing I experience is a vacuum cleaner running up against me, and I'm, I'm coming through, I'm coming too. and, and there's, like the, there's like this young teenager like, hey man, I got to clear the room, can you like wake up and get out? Pretty, like, all all these, like, religious people just left me there all by myself with the janitor. I mean, that's just weird, right? I had high triglycerides at one point. I remember being in this room getting prayer for healing, and I could literally feel the blood inside of me transform, and, and it was, like, washed, and it was cleaned. And then I got my blood tested, you know, that week and was like there's nothing wrong with you. You don't your your, your cholesterol and triglycerides are just fine. And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to go eat some donuts." <laughs> don't do that. When God heals you, steward your healing. Cuz he'll just it's going to happen again, I guarantee it. I've always tried to live my life in a way where if there is an invitation from the stage, I respond. If it, if it resonates or if it could possibly be for me, I don't care who's giving it. I don't care what it's for. If, it is, if I feel like it's for me, like if I have a headache and somebody says during ministry time, you know, like Patricia says, hey, you know, if somebody has a headache, come forward, God wants to heal you. I'm like, all right, well, headache, well, that's kind of a generic one, but I'll just go ahead and do it. And, so, and, I, and, I, and I just go forward and, and do it. I was at a meeting Uh, It was a group of pastors, and we brought in this evangelist, faith healer, and this is not not too long ago in our our history here. And the preacher says, if there's anybody in the room that wants more of God, just step across this line. I'm like, ah, dang it, that kind of applies to me. I don't want to. And I've been there, done that, and I've heard preachers like this before. I'm like, like, I'm like, I didn't, like, whatever. But just because I was like, okay, I guess I've got to be obedient, not expecting anything, not actually even wanting anything, right? Not, not wanting an encounter, not wanting a breakthrough. And again, an attitude of, of a a flippant attitude of, of, been there, done that, complacent. Oh, my goodness. Well, I stepped across that line, a few prayers in, and I have never experienced the power of God go through my body in such a way. It was kind of scary. I wanted it to stop, but I also wanted it to keep going. Then a few years ago, we had an aglow meeting here. Aglow is a it's a woman's prayer movement, although they've invited the boys to join in, because they're awesome that way. And there was a, a leader named Julia. Uh she considers this her church and I'm her pastor. I don't know why, because she's amazing. anyway, uh Julia was ministering and she was she was praying in the spirit and she was praying in a different language. And she says, I see a portal of heaven opening up right here in this building. I see a portal of heaven. And it was like right here. And then my response was, that's kind of weird. A portal opening up, it's like, that's like sci-fi kind of weird. I don't know. And then I saw it in the spirit. That I actually like, like I saw it. Like how, that's weird. The day, or the week, I was licensed or ordained to be a pastor in this church, we had another boring prayer meeting, and uh, we were just trying to get through it, folks. Like it was, it was, it was dry. And just so you know, I'm a full-blown charismatic. In my prayer time, I try and pray in tongues. I'm not the best at it, but it's a discipline that I've decided to to go after and pray pray about. Because what the scriptures say about praying in the Spirit is that those that pray in the Spirit edify and strengthen themselves. And so I need as much strength as I can possibly get these days. And so I, I have the practice and discipline in my prayer time. To, to, pray in the, to pray in tongues to pray in spirit. It doesn't come naturally. Yeah? Does that make sense? It does not come naturally. And sometimes my logical mind will stop and say, that doesn't sound right. That's weird. Okay. Just so you know, we all, go, we all have that insecurity. But there was a time, and again, after I was ordained to be a minister here, I didn't have to try. I didn't have to think about speaking in tongues. I didn't have to push in. It's as if, once again, there was a portal from heaven right over me, and something came up and in and through me, and I began to say things that were not of this world. And where does that come from? God. Some of you might be saying, Well, you're just crazy. I okay. Let's just I'm not crazy. I don't have a mental disorder. And I'm actually saying this. I'm not joking around. I've had a number of religious experiences in my life. I think I'm way overdue for one, by the way. But I've had a number of of religious experiences in my life. But you need to know this, and it's vitally important. I am of a sound mind. I'm emotionally stable. I might not have my act together, but I'm not an emotional basket case. I don't have high highs and low lows. Some days I get a little sad, and then I read Philippians and pray, and then I'm okay. My point is, and my belief, what we're going after in this series, part of the DNA of this church, is that everyone gets to play, that you too can have an encounter with God. In fact, I believe it's inevitable. If you haven't had one yet, you will have one someday. In fact, I believe every single person on the planet can have or should have or has the opportunity to have a powerful encounter with God. Joel, the book of Joel even says it. In the end days, and uh, if you're watching the news, looks like we're there. In the end days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen? So it's just not for me. I might think that I'm God's special one, but guess what? He wants to touch you, too. He wants to anoint you. He wants to pour out his spirit upon you. Do you want to get to know God? And when I say know God, it's not from an intellectual perspective. Do you want to get to know God intimately? This is, how, this is, well, the whole series about how, how we can do that. But today, specifically, based off of Moses, is that whether you like it or not, God comes into your space and he wants you to encounter him, but he also wants to encounter you. So the first thing on getting to know God is being open and receptive to encounter. Burning bush moment. And it could be as simple as what I did. It's like, okay, whatever, Lord, whatever the call is, I choose to be obedient and respond to the call. If I have a headache and somebody gives a word of knowledge about a headache, I'm going to respond. Even if the last time I responded to the call, nothing happened. Have you ever been prayed for and nothing happened? Or is it just me? Does that mean that you quit? No. You just push on that rock again. She'll move. She'll move. You keep pushing. You keep pushing towards heaven. It's going it's, it's to break out eventually. It's called obedience and it's called faith. So I want to challenge you to get to know God better by encounter. So be okay with it. And and again, don't believe the lie of the enemy that says spiritual encounters are only for people with mental illness. Amen? It is for everyone. In fact, I actually believe, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. Just, look, look, just don't let the enemy of God lie to you that says, yep, see, there's another crazy person acting crazy. You know, just don't, don't, don't buy that lie. It's for everyone. So God wants to, he wants to bring you into a powerful encounter moment. Is it a lifestyle? I believe it is a lifestyle. Does it happen every day, every Sunday? It would be awesome if it does, but it, from my experience, it doesn't. We'll probably, I'll get into that in a second. But God's calling us in, in, into a moment where we step in, we take our shoes off, because it's holy ground, and we experience Yahweh. The scripture is actually over here on the cross. May he grant you out of his riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self. You can add inner man, inner woman, whatever you want to do. But your inner self, the, the very core of who you are, Holy Spirit wants to go in there indwelling in your innermost being and personality so that Christ may dwell in your, what? Your hearts through faith and that you may be deeply rooted and securely grounded in, what? Love. Okay, real quick. God is love. If you ever find yourself in a situation or a spiritual encounter if you don't feel a sweet presence, if you don't feel love, I mean, maybe God's like convicting you of something, but if you don't feel love in that environment, um, probably time to leave. There is such a thing as spiritual realms. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, They're not the only ones that are in spiritual realms, by the way. We have a very real enemy that's there, too, and he likes to deceive. The hallmark that you're in the presence of God is you feel an overwhelming sense of peace and love. That's your telltale sign, everybody. Be securely grounded in love. Growing up inside the church, having a few encounters myself, seeing other people encounter God, do you know what? It's not good enough. Just because you've had an encounter with God, just because maybe, I don't know, maybe you've spoken a different language, or God healed your body, or you've felt the peace and power of God come over you that you've never felt before in your entire life, just because you've had those moments doesn't mean that you fully get to know God. It's almost like it's an invitation. At the, burn, the burning bush wasn't the end of the story for Moses, was it? The burning bush was, was a, hey, how are you doing? Come on in, take your shoes off, we're going to have a good time. Could you imagine if Moses would have just stopped right there if he would have, just, would have gone back to his herds and said said to his wife Zipporah and his, you know his father-in-law, I just had an incredible encounter with God. It was awesome. Where's the wine? What time do I go back to work tomorrow, Dad? When God comes into your life, and we see this in Moses' story, when God comes into your life through an encounter, it's for a purpose, and that purpose is to allow, position yourself to allow God to come in to every area of your life. So just because you've had an encounter does not mean that you've let God into your life. Does that make sense? Just because you you went to a concert and you experienced the show, uh, you went to Aerosmith, right? Just because you experienced Aerosmith doesn't mean that they're coming over to your house for dinner that night. You just had an experience. You might think you're in relationship with him because you're a fanboy, but truly you're not in a relationship. So the good thing about Yahweh is that he wants to come over to your house tonight and have dinner with you. So that's your second feeling, is that you gotta let him in. You have to let him into absolutely every area of your life. I know that for some of us, we just want to let him into, well. Our Sunday morning experience part of our life. But he doesn't want to just end right here. He wants to be in your financial life. He wants to be in your social life. He wants to be in your work life. He wants to be in your sexual life. He wants in on everything. Moses, as he is, as he's like, okay, I'm going to step across this line, I'm going to go beyond the burning bush. And he steps into his calling, and God. You know, it says, you're going to do this. You're going to set God's people free. And he is on mission. Moses is on mission. He knows who Yahweh is. And he's he's beginning to do the stuff. He's beginning to unleash his destiny. and, And he is functioning inside of the power of God. And yet, Moses had not let God into every area of his life. On the road, on the road to his mission. He knows who God is. I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He understands the covenant of circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, look it up. He understands that that is the important mark. And he doesn't circumcise his own child. Okay, supposedly Moses is all in, right? He said yes to God, but he, this one little detail, it, what, it's a very weird, mysterious little passage, but this is what it means. It means that Moses had allowed God to come into every area of his life except for his family life. Like he was all in, well, except, for, except for my kid. because like, like deep down inside, I don't know if this is all going to work out. And so I don't know if I want to put that mark on my kid. Let me put it into a a contemporary example. So I'm a pastor. I have a kid inside of this church. Our vision statement here at Granite Creek is to see families and culture transformed by heaven. Yeah? Amen? That's what we want to see. And it starts with the family. Meaning that whatever we do here and experience here in the building, like it just needs to go home with you. You need to pray at home, you need to read at home, you need to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your home, like you need to experience God inside of your home context. In addition to that, we're called to love one another as a church family, so we have to do life together, we have to be be in each other's business, we have to hold each other accountable, we have to check in on one another. So this is the vision. This is the vision that God gave me for us. But if I was to say, you know what, Sophia? I don't really like those church kids. Like those church kids aren't going to take you anywhere. They're a little rough around the edges. The bigger priority would be the volleyball team. I'll just, why don't you just invest your time in the volleyball team, and that's, that's your number one priority. If you want to do youth group, that's your number two priority. Okay, do you see what I just did? Like, I just pulled a Moses with the whole circumcision thing. Thank God Moses had a godly wife that wasn't a Jew, by the way, that said, you idiot. Why? Because God was getting personal with him, and because of his... Flippant attitude towards this one very specific thing because God because Moses didn't allow God all the way in. Yahweh was a little ticked off. In fact, Yahweh was going to smoke him. Yahweh was going to kill him. Now, does God still kill today? Um, we're in a New Testament expression of the covenant of the relationship. We have a new cup that we drink out of. We're not ruled by Torah or law anymore. Regardless, God's a wild guy. Now, if you don't don't follow the rules, if you do something dumb, God's not going to kill you. But I have seen God kill people. So, it's serious stuff. Sorry for freaking you out. It's serious stuff. You guys are probably okay. But if I did something abusive and really stupid, God would probably smoke me. Like, I I, I walk with that conviction. Because I've seen it. So... I'm not going to do anything that is abusive. I'm not going to abuse my, whatever power I have here. I'm not going to abuse it. I'm not going to abuse you. I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to Um I might want to, but I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I fear God. So therefore, I don't step into sin. This scripture is on that wall. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in heavenly realms beyond the sacred threshold. Basically, what this is saying is he wants all of you to come on in your whole being, all of your emotions, every aspect, every area of life needs to go into the Holy of Holies. Yeah. Number three, to get to know God better, is that we need to be transformed. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. I want transformation. I'm on a transformation journey. I'm transformed each and every day, but I have to think about it continually. Philippians 4.8, the four eight principle, whatever is pure, whatever is wholesome, Whatever is lovely and whatever brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is anything that is excellent, if there is anything that is praiseworthy, continually to think about such things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your hearts. I have to put my mind in a certain state that says, I actually believe all this crazy stuff in the Bible. I have to focus my mind on what God is doing, on the incredible blessings that we are living in. I have to think about such things and the excellent things that you do and your powerful testimonies. I need to I need to have my mind centered on that what God is doing and instead of what uh, what is going wrong in my life. I actually have to believe with my rational mind. That all of my encounters were real and true. I have to believe this stuff. And God has given us grace to do it. Finally, number four. the we have to give God our all? Like, if you really want to get to know God, you've got to give Him your all. It corresponds with letting God into all of the areas of your life opening up the chambers of your heart letting him seep in and begin to do his work but then you need to give him your all meaning that we have to quit using excuses Moses was like this excuse generator oh god i can't lead your people out i i am just a little farmer oh god i can't speak to pharaoh Um, I can't, I stutter too much. Oh God, I can't obey because I have a plan B in case all this stuff doesn't work out. But eventually, Moses said, okay, I give you my all. Like, okay, I know I'm insecure about how I'm talking, but who cares, I'm going to go all in and and I'll I'll work with my brother, but we're going to do it because you've asked me to do it. I'm going to lead this hard-hardened, knuckle-headed group of people in the desert. And, and even if they're bashing me and making fun of me and blaming me for all of their woes, I'm going to be faithful to what you have called. Moses is one of the best leaders on the planet the world has ever seen because he chose to be all in, led millions of people out of slavery, well, into the desert to die, but that's another story. But he freed them from slavery because of his all inness, because he served God with his muchness, because he served God with the strength that God had given him, his skills and abilities to be a leader. And so, what is, what is your all in? What, what is God calling you to do? that only you can do. That's the important part about being all in because the the kingdom of God is going to advance. His, his, His will is sovereign. Everyone is going to have an encounter with God. In fact, every knee will bow before the throne and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess. That's the truth. And yet, you are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. You are uniquely created to have an expression on this planet, an expression for God, the kingdom of heaven. And it is a calling that only you can do. And the scary part about your mission, about what God's called you to do, is that if you don't do it, it won't get done. So, what is your strength, and what unique expression do you have inside of the kingdom? Landon, come on up to the front, and I'm going to have the ushers come to the front because I forgot to take the offering. So, if I could have the ushers come. I'm going to receive an offering, and then Elder Patricia is going to give us a testimony. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for blessing this church with an abundance. We say yes and amen to what you're doing. God, I I pray for more encounter, but if we're not in the encounter season, God, I pray that we just invite you into every area of our souls just to begin to rework us from the inside out. God, I pray for a strength that is beyond us. We ask right now for the renewing of of our minds, our minds that have been so affected and infected by all the static that's in this world. Help us to think the way that you want us to think in this season. Father, may we respond to our call this morning. Bless this offering in your name. Patricia, come on up. We have, the scriptures say that there is power in the testimony. I'm going to allow patricia to share her heart about what god has done and is doing in her life um
1: it's funny because on sunday august 8th i was coming back from our autocross and um I received an email that I was positive COVID. And from the 9th of August to the 9th of September, I was homebound. And just this morning, I looked up that word. I thought homebound, I thought that that was like you're headed for home. But then um, the second, and according to Google, was unable to leave one's house typically due to illness or old age (laughs) in november i'm going to be 77 (laughs) so i qualified on both counts but the funny thing is is another thing that happened just this morning as i was reading about moses and he was 40 years old when he killed that egyptian you know he'd lived in the um, potiphar's house and training but 40 years old, and then he fled into the wilderness. And he was, after 40 years in the wilderness, he had that burning bush experience. So that's 80. I got three years to wait until I really get my ministry. (laughs) So, you know, it's not about your age. it's, It's about your heart. And I remember when Pastor Joshua was talking about Um, you know, passing out. The way I learned it was slain in the spirit. But I didn't want anybody to push me. I didn't want to do it because I should. Um, I, you know, I had all these, you know, qualifications. But I was going to a Kenneth Copeland uh, conference, and I thought, I'll wear pants just in case. (laughs) And so uh, he made an altar call for, and... uh, for people that needed healing in their legs. And by the way, I still have varicose veins. That's the reason I went up there. And this was like in the early 80s. And um, and so, like I said, you know, Lord, I don't want anybody to push me. I don't want to do it because I should, you know. Um, but when I got up to the stage, he was probably where this post is, that far away from me. And all I did was see him, and I went down. Nobody pushed me. No one touched me. I didn't do it because I thought I should. And the Lord showed me that it was real, and he gives us the desires of our heart. He, pla- he places it in us. And his, our response to that is a song I like to sing. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit moves in me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will always be, yes, Lord, yes. Okay, now for my testimony. (laughs) That's just the interlude to help me relax. Okay. So, I was homebound, and for me, that was a major speed bump. I liked living in the fast lane. You know, do this, do that, da-da-da-da, you know, go here, go there. Um, but, in fact, in, um, math, excuse me, Psalm 91, 9 and 10, the Passion Version, it says that when we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? And I'm thinking, why did this happen? How did I open the door? I, you know, I was just, I that hurt me more than being sick. Is that, God, why? You know, I mean, you're a shield round about me. You're the glory in the midst of me. I'm trusting in you. I confessed. I repented of pride and anything else that came to mind, according to 1 John 1, 9, that says, But if we freely admit our sins when His light uncovers them, He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and He will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I was so ashamed and tormented with the thought that i had somehow opened the door to this physical attack especially after the spiritual high of boot camp but then i was reminded that after jesus had a spiritual high of being baptized and the heavens opening and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove upon him, and hearing his father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, which is counted in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. The very next verse in Matthew 4, 1 is afterward. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to experience the ordeal of being tested by the accuser. In Revelation 12:10, that it shows us how we can defeat the accuser. It says, then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, now salvation and power are set in place and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuse them day and night before our God has been defeated, cast out once and for all. They conquered him completely through the blood of the lamb and the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love God and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. In Matthew ten eight, Jesus says that, you know, I mean, it's a command. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Well, Jesus shed his blood. His blood cleanses us from all of our sins, and he is the healer. You know, everyone, there's not one place in the Bible where Jesus said, no, sorry, it's not my will to heal you. He healed everyone that came to him. Even the leper, you know, and it says to cleanse the lepers. The leper said, you know, if you will. And Jesus touched him, and he was healed. Okay, here's the the scripture that I learned in my COVID experience. In 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, be well balanced. As Pastor Joshua was saying, you know, you're not, your highs, your lows and everything, but be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for his prey to devour So how do we respond to that? We take a defensive, we take a a decisive stand against him. You know, we're on alert. We have a decisive stand against him. And we resist every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the earth are experiencing the same kinds of troubles that you endure. And then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. I'm stronger today than I was on August 8th. Like Caleb, you know, when he was 40, he went in as a spy. He spied out the land, and he came back, and he said, Okay, 45 years have passed. I'm 85 now, and I'm ready to take my mountain. We're stronger. Even though he walked in the wilderness all those 45 years. And personally, okay, this is the best part. Personally, and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly a place and build you up, and he has all the power needed to do this. You know, so when we're going through things and things aren't going our way, or we get sick, or we get old, or we get weak or whatever, even Daniel, after his second vision, was exhausted and, and sick. Several days afterwards, I heard a story about a man that was excited about seeing a shepherd with the sheep because he had just recently read uh, Shepherd's Look at, 23rd, at, at Psalm 23. So he made arrangements with the bus driver that when he was touring in Israel to stop so that he could see and, and talk to a shepherd. And, um, you know, express his appreciation and, uh, of what he learned. To his horror, when he got closer to that man, he was just shocked because that man was taking his rod and hitting the back of the sheep's legs and cursing them and pushing them and urging them on. And he went up to him, you know, confused, and he said, I thought the shepherd led the sheep. And the man said, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. If we're feeling pressured, if we're feeling accused, you should have done this, you could have done that, you're not measuring up, you don't qualify. It's not God. It's the butcher who's out to kill, steal, and destroy. God loves you. He welcomes you, as we sang this morning, with arms open wide.
2: We sing yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, we will trust you.
0: church before we send you off with your blessing let's grab your elements we're going to receive holy communion patricia why don't you come on up and aid me in this heavenly father right now we ask that your holy spirit would come and bless and anoint our elements as we receive from you today as we sit at your table partake of your flesh and drink your blood patricia why don't you go ahead and just Do the body and the blood for us today.
1: Father, we thank you for sending your son that you loved us so much. You bought us back from the enemy, from the lies of the enemy. You bought us back. Jesus is the ransom price. He paid for it all. All that he did on our behalf, Lord, we receive as we receive the bread of life in Jesus' name.
0: I love drinking from this cup, the new covenant. We have a powerful advantage over Moses in that we have a new deal that is not condemning. We have a new deal that's sweet, and it washes away all of our sins. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins this morning. God is so good. He's so kind and gracious. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, to turn towards you in your times of need, to give you rest, to give you peace, Give you hope and prosperity in the name of Jesus. My prayer for everyone this morning is that you step into and receive and activate your Moses moment. Walk expectantly, step across the line next time you're called to see a burning bush. God bless you guys. Have a great week.